Father, we pray that as we come to this word, we pray that you would give us understanding, that you would speak to us, that we would understand clearly what you've to say to us, but more importantly, that we would live it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our identity is absolutely crucial. How we see ourselves in the core of our being, um, who we are, is the most important question that we can ask ourselves. And the choice of an identity, because often we can choose it or we can just have that impressed upon us, um, the choice of our identity determines our eternal destiny. And many a person, including people that Peter refers to here, were eternally lost, eternally separated from God because they held on to an identity which was not the identity they should have had. And uh, it's not just something that happened back then, it happens today. Millions of people, maybe including you, are locked in eternal hopelessness because they want to embrace an identity or hold on to an identity which is not God's desire for them. Um, my parents own a farm and uh, they just love animals. And um, so any animal that's maybe it dies when, the, when it's born, the parent dies, um, they take and they adopt it. And one of the, they've had many, many animals pass through. Um, one of the, for one, um, at one time, they had a pig. I think the mum must have died in birth. Is that right? What happened, mum? But for a while, um, this pig was raised by my mum and I think possibly I think it might have been fed by even fed by a mother dog or something or maybe by mum but as it grew up this little piglet became a little pig and it thought it was a dog and it belonged in the house and so you would walk in to the house and there would be this pig who thought it was a dog running around in the house and it would try to act like a dog and so on and um, it got too big and eventually mum and dad had to kick it out but, um, but it had an identity problem it thought it should have been a dog it thought it was a dog and it tried to behave like that now that's what identity does identity um, can be determined by our origins but it determines our behaviour and governs it, how we see ourselves, determines the way we behave, but it also determines our eternal destiny. Now, what Peter says in this passage is, is that um, people who are true Christians are people who have been born again. And as being born again means and implies, is it means that we've uh, an, an old life has changed and we now have a new spiritual identity. We have become children of God. We are sons and daughters of, of the creator of this universe and we are um, brothers and, or sisters of Christ and that we um, are embracing 
the destiny of Jesus and the calling of God our Father to, as our identity and as our future. And um, so with that in mind, people, Peter says, therefore, because we've been born again, because we've got this new identity, um, we've got to behave in certain ways and we've got to live in certain ways and we've got to see ourselves in certain ways. And so he gives four pictures and there's huge lots in it. Um, rather than go through the fine details, I'll let you maybe search them out. They're, they're just very, very common in Scripture, but he gives four, and they're really, really um, thrilling um, and challenging. So let's have a look at those. I've sort of called them funny names, and I had some other funnier ones which I rejected. Okay, the um, first one is offloading or, or getting undressed, removing things. Okay, the second is feeding and growing. I did think of calling it breastfeeding. Okay, but um, I opted for feeding and growing. The next one is living temple. And the next one is a chosen people or a chosen nation. So he looks at these four pictures or illustrations of our identity and our calling as people who have been born again. The first one is offloading now the picture here is this he says we have to lay aside now the word lay aside is used again and again in scripture of taking off excess clothes or baggage so that we're free to move um it's actually used um in the stoning of Stephen in the book of Acts when people were getting their, their cloaks and their extra gear off so that they could stone Stephen. They said they put aside, they actually put aside their stuff and laid it at the Apostle Paul's um, feet as they were going to stone Stephen. They were getting ready. So it's the idea of someone who was maybe going to get involved in some physical activity and you can't, they use wore the big gowns and so they would they would remove those gowns because they were hindering and stopping them from de, from acting and living as they should. So that's the picture here. And I've sort of offloading or you could use the idea of un, or of um of of having a burden taking it, putting aside the things you don't want to carry them because you want to be free and unhindered to do that and so the Christian life has a negative aspect and that's what he's speaking about there's certain behavior certain ways of living certain things which we have to offload they were part of our old life we were living like that they were part of our old identity however we saw ourselves maybe we just saw ourselves as um when I was before I was a Christian I was called one of the lads I was living with a group of guys, about 75 guys, feral guys, drinking and doing a whole lot of debauchery and so on. And we, were, we called ourselves the lads. And I was called one of the terrible twins because there was me and this other guy. We, were, we weren't the best examples of, of student life, but we still managed to not get kicked out, which was a miracle, actually. But that was our old behaviour. And so when I was born again and I made Jesus my Lord and the Spirit of God came into my life and I became a son and daughter of the King, I had to put aside these behaviours and put it off. And every Christian has to do that. We have this um, fleshly, bodily 
desires, lust-driven life, which often happens, that people are driven by their bodily lust, those things must be put aside. And Peter talks here about some of the things, particularly our heart attitudes of hostility and and harm that we would intend for other people. And so he says, we've got to put these off. They are not the behaviour which becomes our identity. And so uh, we see this as a, just a common, it's just a commonly repeated metaphor in the New Testament. And um, in this passage, Peter just says, Therefore, rid yourself of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander. They're all the ways of the old life of of people who don't know God. But someone who has this identity as a son of God, they're not appropriate. They're they're sinful, perverse. And so he says, "Put, put, put them aside. And now we see the same in Ephesians. It says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbour, for we are all members of one body. Colossians 3.8 But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, malice, anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Uh, Hebrews 12.1 Because we have such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the the race marked out for us and James you can see um, he actually brings the first two in his little word he says um, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which is the second point we'll have a look at in a second so here we have this constant teaching of the new testament that when we when we have this new identity old patterns of behavior are not appropriate to people who are sons and daughters of god now the second picture that peter gives is the one of feeding or growing feeding and growing or breastfeeding okay Peter says that as newborn infants earnestly desire the pure milk the spiritual milk and he's obviously talking about the gospel and and the scriptures and the word of God and so he's saying that what happens is because we are born and we are children of God the this picture is is that a child of God is like a a newborn infant infant who just hungers and thirsts to know the message and truth of God now he's obviously speaking of the scriptures here but he's speaking not just of the scriptures but of the the message about Christ and God's plan and purposes it's not just knowing the scriptures as those scriptures would would lead us to Christ and that so we would know him and that we would come to him and that he would he would be our Lord and and we would know his truth and his truth would become a part of our life and that's an essential aspect in fact often it's a defining aspect or or a a clear demonstration that a person truly is a son and daughter of God it that's the way it is. If you are a son of daughter, you will have this desire, just like a baby. What happens? The babies are born, and what do they do? If they start screaming, they must have the mother's milk, and they scream. And if the mother's not giving you, 
giving them enough for, for, so that they can grow, they scream and they scream until they get it. And so that should be for each of us, is this, this insatiable desire to know God's word. And that's, um, um, it's funny that the, the Muslims, um, Muhammad saw that Christians were people of the book. That's, what he, that's the term used in the Quran for Christians. And Muhammad, who was actually a, started off as a seeker for God and was looking for that, he, he recognized that the truth of God was in the scriptures. He rejected, the, rejected it because he was rejected by the people he met, which is unfortunate, and ended up making his own new religion, which has caused massive pain in this world. But um, he understood. But the identity of a Christian is that we are people of the book. In fact, this passage of Peter, there's allusions to just massive portions of the Old Testament in it. You can, he's just paraphrasing and out of Peter are coming all these allusions to chapters and chapters from the Old Testament. And so that's what happened. And it's this feeding, growing, as we feed on the word and get to know it and as we apply it and as it, it transforms our thinking so we understand who we are in Christ and as we understand our destiny and our calling, as we understand the things which don't belong to our identity, they are what enable us to be who we should be so the word comes alive in the heart and just like milk feeds and causes it to grow so the Christian hungers to know the word and that is what uh, comes alive in the Christian by the spirit of God and brings a change and so that they, they become who they should be now the third picture and this is a complicated one and uh, I'm only going to just allude to it and you can um, hopefully study it a bit and so on it's a lot of Peter brings in a whole lot of ideas but the key idea is this is that he pictures us as as Christians as people who have been born again that we are stones in the temple of God that God is building his plan in this in this world is to build a temple where he can dwell and the physical temple was only a picture of that what he really wanted was to build a living temple made up of all of these living stones which is each and every Christian every follower of Jesus and that they get cut and put into shape and they become a part of a community a people who are who are become God's dwelling place but Peter can he goes a bit um, beyond that and he doesn't just associate with the bricks he also says that as this thing all of the things which happened in the temple all of the service and ministry and praise and worship that's what this living temple does which you're a part of you're a stone in this temple and so you you're a, a temple which praises God it's living a abiding temple praising God and serving God and honoring God and being a mediator between God and people who don't know him and so that's the the picture we are stones in this living temple now I, 
I tried to, to find a, uh, on the internet a picture of maybe someone had drawn this picture. I said, oh, that's, the internet's got everything in it. I'll do living temple. And uh, maybe there's someone who's drawn this picture. I thought I could, maybe some artist had, had put this picture of a, of a church as this living temple out being this mediator and a light and a praise. But I couldn't find one. So it's a job, Joel. Eh? The next big piece of art. Okay, the living temple of God. Um, with us as stones in that temple. Number four. Um, this is a big theme, and that is, is that um, Peter says that we are a, a nation, a people. Now, in... In the scriptures, you see it's a major, major theme and I've, I've tried to make people understand it and, and speak on it often because it needs to be that God divided the world into nations so that they would not have a worldwide rebellion and that won't, he's stopping that until the rise of the Antichrist when we'll see a rise of the one world government where all the nations will unite against God and against his Christ. But for a while he's divided them. But God's plan in doing that was to get from among these nations a people who would be his people. That's, his, that's the, the key theme of the, of the scriptures is God wants a people for himself and he did that in the Old Testament by choosing the nation Israel which would have laws based on, on a belief in God and based on his morality and in a basic form and Israel was supposed to be a light nation but they never really fulfilled their call but that was their plan that was God's plan, that they would be a, a people for him. But uh, not all Israel were truly his people. Many of them were just apostate. It's a, it's a shock as you first read the, um, as I first got into the Old Testament, because I thought, Israel is Israel's God's chosen people. And then you see them, they're idol worshippers and so on. And for instance, uh, Prophet Elijah thinks he's the only one in the whole nation who's still following God. And God says, I oh, know, I've got 7,000. But that's maybe among 7 million. We don't know how many. But most were not. But God chose Israel to be his people. And see, that's um, what we see in the, on when, God, when Moses was um, speaking to God on the mountain. God spoke to him and said, this is what you're to say to the people. But say this, he says, you yourself have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Talking about how God rescued his people from out of Egypt. I carried you on eagle wings and brought you to myself. So there they are, the nation is at the foot of Mount Sinai. Moses is up on top of Mount Sinai about to get the Ten Commandments. And he says, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. And so that's what God is saying. If you would embrace this law and, uh, and keep my covenant, you will be my people. But um, you can see here that Peter takes these words and he says that the, the Israel, in most part, failed. 
And their great example was, if you mess with God, he, he clobbers you. That's happened. So much of the Old Testament was like that. You see these wonderful deliverances when they're faithful and they call, but a lot of it is God's judgment. And so there's that thing. Where is your identity going to be? Is it going to be following the other nations and their perverse ways? Or are you going to make God your God? And are you going to worship? And are you going to, to, to make that covenant relationship in God your, your essential identity and live it out? But that's what he wants for all people. And so we have, uh, I'll try to do a bit of a picture. So the true people of God in the Old Testament was a lot of, a larger portion of Israel than any of the rest of the nations. But they were to be a light to show other nations so that they would cease to identify their nations and that they would be people who are followers of the true God. When Christ came, what happened was Israel kept hold of their identity as, as descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and they didn't follow the Christ and so they were cut off and ceased to be, they even um, though they thought they were, they, they weren't really God's people. And what happened was the this invitation was opened up really strongly to us Gentiles, non-Jews, these other nations. And so God gathers a people from the nations. Now that's what we see in Revelation, which is a picture of the of God's fulfilled, you know, the final battle and the fulfilled plan. And we see this theme coming through. It says, and he has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. comes from this um, you know, Exodus, verse, chapter 19, and from what Peter says in this chapter 2. You're a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to, be, to him be the glory and power forever and ever. Verse 10 of chapter 5, you have made, so God has made them, that's his people who've called out, who have become followers of Jesus, to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And you see, um, just uh, for those who maybe want to pursue it a bit further, in Revelation 7 and 14, there's this picture of a, of a 144,000 people from the tribes of Israel. And then there's, there's this vast multitude from every tribe and every tongue and every nation and they can't be counted and they're all gathered and they're all praising and worshipping God. And it says, who are these? And it says, the answer is, is they are the true people of God, the church whom he's redeemed from out of Israel and out of these other nations and they are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, a, a honoured and precious and beloved people of God that they would declare his praises and sing and, and manifest his glory, the glory of the one they, they praise. And so that's the fourth picture here of that we are a, a chosen people, a, a people from all these other past national identities. We're taking out of it and our identity as a, on a nation or on a race or on a tribal level is it becomes secondary to our primary identity as the people of God. And Christ is our king. And it's him first who we serve and we honour. And so that's the, the four pictures here. So the question, just to conclude 
is really this, is, is Christ your central identity? That's, that's the defining thing of a Christian. So, oh, yeah, I like, I'm sort of interested in God a bit. But a Christian is a person whose primary identity, the one they identify with is Christ, and that defines who they are and how they will live. That's what a Christian is. They are one person who is putting off behaviours which are inappropriate to such a person as that. They are people who are, who are drinking in the word like a baby who just needs milk, milk, milk to grow, grow, grow. People who are living stones put in a temple. We're not individuals. We're, we're planted and we're cut and we have all our hard bits sort of have to put in so we have to put up with other people, be locked into position with other Christians because we are being put together as a temple that we make together share his glory, sing his praise and serve him. And we are his nation, but a scattered nation like spies put out into the world that we would be his people declaring the praises of our God. Is Christ your central identity? If you're a Christian, the answer is Yes. If you're not a Christian, you go, well, no, the thing that's more, most important to me is my tribe, the colour of my skin, my sexual identity, or whatever, my job. But Christ is our central identity and all other identities will be cast aside and put to shame in the future and so the challenge for us is is not just to make Christ our central identity but to make that identity uh, affect the identity and all these other things as well that it would affect how you live as a male or female how you live as an Australian how you would live in your family and in your home that Christ would be all in all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. What a fantastic, just incredible honour it is. Lord, we're living stones built into a spiritual house. We're a holy priesthood. Lord, we're a chosen nation, a people belonging to God. Lord, help us to put aside the things which entangle us and, and slow us down and weigh us and burden us. Lord, help us, Lord, to, to understand the, the wonders of the calling, the, the immense privilege and honour that we would be your people. Put as individuals into a group, a living Walking, breathing, pulsating, working, singing temple to sing your praise and to honour you. Father, we pray that you would help us to be totally consumed by the wonders of our calling in Jesus Christ. 
for we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.